your father, mm-hmm. let's like into adult life. Mm-hmm. I know you were a correctional officer and you yeah. dealt with things there. Mm-hmm. How, how did, how, how was how was that phase of your life that that season? You know, as we delve from, you know, my my early beginnings, and then my father, and then we went into Vietnam, and then we went our fathers in Vietnam, and how it affected you and and affected me because of their issue. To look at it on a historical basis, I was uh, about 25 years old, and I used to be a courier for a bank, and I would take their bank deposits from their merchants, golf courses, and whatnot, and and as a as a um, uh, a benefit from being a member of that bank, they would have the courier go out and instead of you going in and making the deposit, the courier will come out and get the deposit from you and then take it to the bank and then the next day bring your bag back, you know. So that I was that courier yeah. throughout the 90s, you know. And um, Sounds dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had locked bags, and but um, the most I was with me, you know, nobody ever tried to attack me, you know, whatnot. But everybody would say that's dangerous. And I, and I never looked at it that way at that time, but then I thought, Wow, there's millions, thousands and thousands of dollars in And people these. kill for less. And they kill for less. And the most I was with me, and I would have the bags rolled up, you know. So I uh, was at one of the banks, and a white gentleman came in. And he said, um, hey, young man. And then I said, yes. He said, uh, I hear you, you sing and you do Martin Luther King speeches. I said, yeah, the people here at the bank tell me they, they love you here. And he says, I speak. You stay, speak highly of you. So all the bank people, uh, the manager and all that. Oh, Dave, we had him sing at our wedding. We had him sing and da-da-da-da-da. And he does, Martin, he sounds just like Martin Luther King. He says, really? He says, come in one of the uh, offices in, in, uh, with me. I want to talk to you about something. So I, I, I marveled at how bold he was to go into the bank, but they loved him. You know, he was bringing in a lot of money. He had his own uh, shop, his own restaurant. And... Uh, one of his restaurants, he would always have Kevin Costner would come in. And Kevin was big at that time. Kevin Costner, the actor. He still is. What are you talking about? He still, he still <laughs> is. But you know, he you was, talking about Dancing with Wolves? Yeah, yeah. That right. Kevin Costner. As a matter of fact, this was probably right before Dances with Wolves. So okay. Kevin was up there at that yeah. time. You know, yeah. he was bankable. And so this guy was major. He was major. He was uh, prided himself on being Irish and Italian. You know, he was both. or not. Mm-hmm. So 10 years older than I. And he set me down in the bank's office as if he was running the thing. And I noticed, I marveled at how the bank just, oh, yeah, go, go, go. So we're talking. He says, you're a guy, Martin Luther King. And I said, yeah. He says, so you're a fan of Martin Luther King. I said, oh, yeah, all my life. I said, matter of fact, at that time, I, it was 94. I said, I just spoke for Rosa Parks this year. Yeah, really? He, I said, yeah, I spent three hours with her on two occasions. We spoke. We talked about everything. He said, that's wonderful. Hmm. Do you know why Martin Luther King got killed? I said, oh, yeah, the race question. I mean, he was, you know, because of racism and then this and this, this, this. He said, sounds good. But that's not how, why he got killed. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, I, and I'm trying to be an authority, you know, because I do I, King's speeches. You've done your homework. Stuff, done my homework. And it's funny how we can think we've, we've, we've cornered the market. And then most I allow somebody to come in to humble you. It's changed my whole thought process, how I read about true history, the hidden hand. Oh, yeah. So he says, now, you know, I'm a rich man. I say, yeah, yeah, you don't let us forget. He says, um, <laughs> and I come from old money. And he says, old money knows a lot of secrets. 
So now I know I'm having one of those moments that I'll never forget. Those moments that you tell your kids, you tell folk years. And now what, what is this, 30 years ago? And I'm still telling the story. He says, uh, what happens is uh, Martin Luther King did not get killed for the race question or else he would have gotten killed a lot earlier. He would have gotten killed way before 1963, I Have a Dream. There were people that wanted to kill King, but King had, Security. there was, there, yeah, there were no, some uh, uh, folk that said, uh-uh, big time folk that, no, no. And then I knew later why, you know, that's even a whole other story. If we could say he went rogue, I'll just put it dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Okay. So he was explaining King got killed for socioeconomic reasons. I said, well, no, no, no. He said, just hear me. Just hear me. He says, old money knows how and who. He says, just hear me, young man. So when you go out and you do King, because I hear you doing well, know the real truth. War is money. And when there is a dearth of money in an economy and it needs to be infused, a war is created. A war is put on. And when you put on a war, all those who make your boots, your bullets, your uniform. Toilet paper. To everything. Everybody gets paid. War is money. Just like building the prison systems, you got to get somebody in there so that what you built will not be in vain so everybody gets paid. And I know about that all too well. One inmate, 11 jobs. Wow. And you as an officer, you mess with the inmate, you mess with recidivism. Those co those 11 people, they coming after you. Yeah. Which is what you heard when I preached. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, he says, Dr. King when he was talking the race question, he was allowed to do so to the point that even they were talking about him and Dr. Spock running on the 1968 ticket. Dr. Spock being the president, Dr. King being the vice president. True. I said true. But when King started to veer off and talk about the war, now, and then he talked about taking the money from the 1% and distributing it out so that every man can have a working wage, a living wage. There will be no, he was trying to eradicate poverty. So you're trying to stop the war. Why? Because the disproportionate numbers of blacks that were going in, like we just discussed earlier. Yeah. You're a second-class citizen in your country. But when it comes time to be drafted, you're first class. And Dr. King saw the disparity in numbers when it came to black men versus white men. He says, wait, wait a minute. You treat us like crap in our country, but you want us to go defend this country that does nothing for us, enslaved us, make us to, to know that we're second class, third class, dot, 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 but we're the first to be drafted. And if you got money, you can ROTC, run over to Canada, if you got money. And many of the, he said, many of the white boy, rich white boys were doing that. Or, or, like Bush joined the Air National Guard. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. So Dr. King decided, I'm going to speak on this disparity because we're all being carted in like animals to go fight for something that 
does not fight for us. Yeah. Which is what Muhammad Ali said at that time. I was just thinking of him, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Yes. No, no, no uh, Viet Cong ever called me. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. King started to mess with the social economics. Then he started to say, we're going to do that march on Washington, that second march. They had to get him before he got there. What year was that? that was 63, right? That was six, the, the second march on Washington was 68. What's the, when was the first one? 63. Okay. I got to tell you something about that. Okay. I'll interrupt you. Okay. So when he started going to Mississippi and Arkansas and all these, and then he started going to Appalachia, he started going to the Hispanic uh, uh, sections of the, he started to say, we're going to open this thing up to not just the struggles of black folk, but poor folk. So now it doesn't just have a face of a black person. It has the face of America. So now he's saying, let's get into the pockets of the 1% and let's spread it out so that they, every man will have a living wage. There will be no more poverty. Yeah. 1% said, this is what this man is telling me. The 1% said, uh-uh. He's trying to affect the war. He's speaking out against the war. Then the, the R1% and then the 99% wants to come get him before. April 1968, the second march on Washington. And so he said the word went out, get him before. So there's a video out of King right before he left, and he's at a church. And it's a, it's a homemade video. And he's saying, he's telling you how the whites in this country were given land and given this and given that to mechanize like the, the land. Homes, Homestead Act. Or uh, all of those things, right. Yeah. And how the GIs came back from the war and they were given stuff. That's how the sub suburbs were built. But blacks weren't given these loans and he's, he's talking truth and facts. And then he says, so that's why we're going to Washington, D.C. to say, where is my check? When he said that, as he's saying it, the plans were put in place that Sign if we allowed him because social economic, he says, so your, your boy was killed because he was getting into the pocket of the rich. A white dude told you that, huh? A white man told me that in 1994. He said King was killed because of social economic. And every, since then, I've read and talked, it was social economic. Have you, have you heard of the term the industrial war machine? Yes. Do you, I don't remember which president it was. He talked mm -hmm. about that. He actually... In, an in his final address to mm -hmm. the United States, it's online, mm -hmm. he was talking about the industrial war yes. machine. He gave a warning. I forget which president it was. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen that video? It wasn't Wilson, was it? Woodrow Wilson during World War I? In no, the, it, was, it, was, it was... Later than that? Maybe World War... It was World War II. Two? Two. So, so it would have been Roosevelt or Truman. I'll find it and I'll okay. send it to you. But you okay. could, Or you could just... A person to look it up online just... Industrial War Machine President Warning, mm -hmm. you know, or YouTube search that. It's it's amazing because he explains exactly what you said, that mm -hmm. there's powers that are not governmental, not of elected officials, mm -hmm. that are starting to um, have a strong influence mm -hmm. on government policy mm -hmm. and war. Mm -hmm. And they're using it, they're monetizing war. Yep. And mm -hmm. he, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll show you that. Yes. But one thing, just an interesting fact that I learned that blew my mind, because I was, I was actually doing studying when I was teaching a cinematography class, Black History Month. Mm -hmm. I had the students, uh, you had to make a one minute, one to three minute video mm -hmm. about a, a Black History a story, because this is every month, Black History, we, Black History Month, we do Black History. The next month, March, I think is Women's History. Right. So we have to do the same thing for Women's History. Mm -hmm. Then we do, um, 
Hispanic, right. Latin, you know, so black, this is Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And I said, one to not three minute video on, on, um, on a black historical event, mm-hmm. person, people, something, but it has to be obscure. Mm. Don't give me Michael Jordan. Don't give me Oprah Winfrey. Don't give me Martin Luther King. Right. No disrespect, right. but we need something. I want yes. you to surprise your classmates mm-hmm. and surprise me. Unsung heroes. Huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, you know some of them did the uh, Red Tails. You know the fighter mm-hmm. pilot. Of course. Yeah, I actually met some of them. Mm. Um, my 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 nephews, my little nephews, met them, and they're all giddy too because they must have watched the movie about them. You know, mm-hmm. like they they were the most decorated uh, fighter squadron. That's right. You know, but. What I was saying is that one of my students, one of my students educated me right. and I went down a rabbit hole. They did a one minute, one or like maybe a three minute video on the last slaves in the United States. Mm-hmm. Slavery was uh, made illegal when? Emancipated. 1863. 1863. And so they started freeing slaves, right? right? Guess what year the last slave plantation was shut down? 1865. Was it uh, Juneteenth? My family got free on Juneteenth. Okay. That's what we, but no. In Texas, okay. No. When, when, when? It's going to blow your mind. You can look it up. 1962. They still had a slave, active slave plantation to live in chick, chicken Louisiana. coops. Was it Louisiana or South I, Carolina? I think it was Louisiana. You could look it up. They actually mm-hmm. s- sued. The Supreme Court refuses to hear their case. The family's still alive. Like one of them is still alive right now. And the way they found out there was no more slavery is, you know, there was no social media back then, right? Right. So Martin Luther King had um, grassroots people driving vehicles telling, hey, we're going to march on Washington, 63, blah, 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 and this and that. They ran into a full-on slave plantation, like a real one that existed. This is powerful. Yeah. Please, you can look it up. Look please, it up. Please. What is it again? It's it's. it's not, I'll show you once okay. we get off. But it's, yes. Yeah, you can see, anyone could Google I need to Date add that of to last slave plantation. Okay. Yeah, it's, it. Okay. I'm sitting, and this is this is a 15 year old white kid <laughs> breaking, educating me on this. I was like, look at that. He goes, Mister Tenney, I got something. And I was like, here, check my video oh, out. That's powerful. And I was like, wow. And he goes, how come we don't learn about this in school? I said, thank you. He said, then these kids, man, I had them so worked up. I can't. I had a lawsuit against this. This is a law, this is a school district that when I was doing stuff like this, they told me you got to go. I told you yeah, about that, right? Yeah, yeah. These videos are supposed to be shown on school. Right. The school banned it. They banned it. They said no, you're not showing. This was that district you told that me about. That district that I was in the lawsuit course, with. It's resolved. Probably in about a week, guys. I could talk about it more Hallelujah. or two on the podcast because, um, let's put it this way: I'm getting paid for damages. Let's All put right. it that way. Get, get, get what you need. Yeah. Get what you need. Yeah. Reparations. <laughs> my, my buddy, my, my friend Steve's like, you're getting your reparations, right. Kenny. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh. Yeah, so they're on the slave plantations, and there's actual video footage when um, of them getting interviewed in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. And the kid and one of the guys was talking about, they literally lived in a chicken coop. The uh, slave times, the whips, just how you see Everything. back in slavery times. And wow. one guy was explaining that, because uh, that lets you know the federal government was even enforcing it. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? It was like almost, a, that's why Texas kept my family for two years yeah. after mm-hmm. um slavery mm-hmm. but the uh this guy was explaining this this dude this hit me so hard they put the chicken coop in a tree right there by the chicken coops where mm-hmm. they lived in no there's no padding they slept on the floor and they mm-hmm. worked the fields all day you know what freaking 18 hour work days or whatever they did and you know um 
the guy you I'll show you footage of this guy's talking about how his father had heard from someone because it was so off the main road these these yeah. these plantations mm-hmm. had heard that we might that something has changed with the with slavery they weren't sure so he went to go hundred inqu- years late he went to go inquire they caught him and they hung his father from the tree in front of his house and left them there to decay just left him leave him leave him in the open so he'd wake up and work in the fields and his father's hanging from the he wake up in the morning his dead father is hanging from the tree and he'd go work in the field to come home his dad's there decaying you could smell the decomposition just everything that comes along with that he didn't go that far but that's what you know what happened yeah and i was like that is such an evil of course uh fear tactic mm-hmm. but it's 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 Scripture. i wouldn't do that to a dog well, of course if i got mad at you and you had a dog, and say I wanted to kill your dog. Right. Probably back in the day when I was mm-hmm. being run the street, I might have shot your dog mm-hmm. just to get you. Mm-hmm. I would not hang your dog in your front yard yeah. for you to stare at and force it's you to. Sadistic. It's sadistic. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's sadistic. But I'll show you more about it. I don't mean to go down that path because no, this is talking I about you. To know, I want to know. Yeah, these kids. Know. These kids blew my mind. I learned that the first person in the North Pole was black. Don't oh, get me I started. Knew that. Henson. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, there's so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it but the, the one that that's what blew me away. I was like, wait, there were still slaves. So my dad was alive mm-hmm. and there were slaves. Of course. Wait, so 63. What year were you born? 69. Six years mm-hmm. before you were born, there yeah. were still slaves. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I think what year did we go to the moon? 69. Okay, I'm about to say we a few months before. All right, yeah. Well, I mean, I look how close we were sitting up watching it. <laughs> yeah. There are mm-hmm. hidden figures hiding these women because yep. whatever mm-hmm. still had slaves oh, of course. and the Supreme Court will not hear it. And that's what makes me upset. And I'm not making this political. We'll go back to you. Yeah. That's what makes me upset about Clarence Thomas. Of course. How could you not hear this case? <laughs> How could you not hear this case? But when there's self-hate, self-hate can do a lot of things. What what did they say about the the one who was Leave Michael, passing? Don't go on Michael Jackson. Don't no, you no, talk no, about no, Michael no, Jackson? No, no. Don't you talk boy. about what he did to his face? That's my oh, boy. That's, that's my boy. I'm going. There's some help somewhere self, else. Some there. self issues there. I'm going somewhere else. Who was supposed to have been the mastermind for the murders of King, John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers? Who was the the mastermind that they say? Oh, of killing those people. Of having them killed. I would the head of the. CIA? Mm-mm. The other one, the other alphabet group starts with an F. FBI? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what they said about him. It's a book out on him. He was passing. The one that said we have to get rid of, that Martin Luther King is the most notorious liar in the United States. That was in Time Magazine. And then also... Oh, you're talking about the guy who we made a holiday after now, right? He's the most notorious liar? Is that, is that, that much of a turn to make? Exactly. Okay. And this guy invented Co-Intel Pro. And he said, we got to make sure we destroy the black messiah. All that going on, and they find out he was passing. And you know who I'm speaking about. That he was passing? That he was passing for Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was the ultimate itself. Hey, you know, this guy was, he, presidents were afraid of him. We know yeah. his name, Jagger Hoover. Yes, and he was a weirdo himself. Of course. But if you get a chance... See, I believe. See, let me tell. You, I don't mean to go down the rabbit hole. Of course. Of of these of um, what used to be conspiracy theories, but now they're conspiracy facts. Of course. Yeah. The, 
Have you ever heard of MK Ultra? Of course I have. Of okay. course I have. I and Charles Manson's it. connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would blew my mind because yeah. I'm I'm ant I'm not I'm like I I always be- I used to believe that conspiracy theories was associated with mental illness. <laughs> I was like, there's something wrong with you. But now conspiracy reality. Yes, it becomes conspiracy reality. Yeah. Yes, because mm-hmm. when I learned about MK Ultra mm-hmm. and um, there's another one too, Kennedy. Um, Joe Rogan talks about this a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's past the years of um, uh, um, uh, where, where we can now know they can open now, it up. Yeah, even Biden won't open it. He's read it, mm-hmm. not open it yep. because they know mm-hmm. they know like Same this. With King. What, what what could you do? What and it's crazy because we're there's a I, book you can get that opens up a lot of that. There's oh, a guy wrote about that. Yeah, yes, and. It, it blew my mind, and I, I tell, I refer that book out. He's an FBI, former FBI guy, right? Yes. This guy used to work. And then when I told, and I'm neither Republican or Democrat. Oh, he might be CIA. This yeah. guy, they when I tell tell him about the book, the liberals, they say, oh, don't listen to him because he was, he, he was just a conservative guy. I said, but his facts. Yeah, his facts you can't are deny the facts. The facts are the facts. And yeah. I stood at, at, at the, uh, um, have you been to... Uh, um, the grassy knoll. I stood there. I got pictures of the grass. I mean, it's an eerie feeling, but you can see. I see the spots, the X on the road, on the on the on the uh, street where the shots rang out, and you see the overpass, and you see the hospital where he's taken. When you get there, and then you read that book, you match it. You see the Texas Book Depository. You see everything. It's an eerie feeling, but when you read that book and put all the players in place, it makes every bit of sense. Yes, and there's also witness accounts that they don't push into the mainstream of, of multi, you know, they heard a bullet over here or shot. But one thing, too, is that Joe Rogan talks about this a lot on his podcast. He's obsessed with Kennedy. Of course. This this whole thing, because he mm-hmm. doesn't believe. And he brings us a good point, because Rogan and I, one thing we have in common, besides jujitsu, he does mm-hmm. jujitsu. Okay. Is that we both love hunting and firearms and stuff like You know like him that. personally? No, okay. no. But actually, one of the guests on our episode one... He's like very good friends. Rogan actually mm. talks about him. His name's Brent uh, Littell. Okay. And uh, Brent, he was actually the guest on the first episode of this podcast. Oh, wow. But yeah, no, he actually was J- Joe Rogan's jiu-jitsu instructor for uh, Nogi. People who understand jiu-jitsu know what Nogi means, but I'll, I'll explain that. I won't mm-hmm. go that road. But the um, he's like, look, anyone who's ever shot a firearm and hit something. Because remember, they got that bullet. They said it took mm. out a Kennedy. Mm-hmm. You ever see a bullet looks like once it hits something? Mm. Flat. It's flat. Mm-hmm. It's distorted. Right. It was a clean bullet, like someone pulled it off of the round. Of course. The cart, you know, and, 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 and he goes, to be the magic bullet. Right? Yeah. It, it. You know. Yeah, and he goes, it. The bullet itself, it it doesn't it doesn't match up. Yep. You know. And he goes, and it's not like movies. You know, like that. They there's you can see the Hollywood influence because you know in movies like, oh, I've been shot. Well, hold on, let me get the bullet. The guy's like, tink, and drops yeah. it in. A lot of the times, the bullet shatters too. Right. I mean, you're talking, like, say a um. See, like a precision rifle, right, right. A, a, for shooting distance. I mean, you're looking like over 1,300, uh, 1300 feet a second. Mm-hmm. It's going it's going supersonic. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's It, it just doesn't – it's bullcrap. Right. Bull, it doesn't pass the sniff of test, course. my point. Of but I'm course. sorry. Let's get back to you, man. Mm-hmm. I keep – I got to go oh, back here because so I'm going to go – Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We're going – and we got to talk about doing another po- a podcast Please, with yeah. you. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like, I want to set this up, man, where okay. you, because you, you, you have a lot of knowledge yes. and historical knowledge, not just world history, yeah. but of uh, United States history. Yes. Yes. It, it, and you, you're a theologian. You yes. have um, 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you have a, a, a bachelor's degree in theology. Yes. Master of Divinity. Master, we'll, we'll have that. We'll have and a master. And go into the doctoral program in June. And go into the doctoral program in June. And you, your languages you've studied are Hebrew, yes. Aramaic, Greek. years Greek. in Greek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, dude, dude, you're a gold mine. You're a gold mine of information. Mm -hmm. But going back to how you're educated on Martin Luther King and you're 25 years old and you learn these things, mm -hmm. let's go back to that, okay. if you don't mind. So when he told me that he educated me on something, and I didn't know the social economic ramifications of this man that I so love because my great grandmother, and that's the genesis of where I gave you how I got here. My father abandoned me, and I showed you showed you that site. We never had a, a solid relationship, although I would spend the night at his house, go to his house in the summer times to take care of my sister. Him and I never had. His wife would always play interference, tell me bad things about him. And I thought, why would she tell me bad things about my father? But the goal, as I found out when I got older, it was to keep me and my father from getting close because she wanted him for her daughter and herself. She had to run interference. She told me horrible things about my father and their relationship that you wouldn't, that's between you two. Why would you tell his, his biological son about bad things to get me to dishonor and dislike my father and so that I wouldn't want a relationship with him. But she did that on purpose That's because upsetting. how things happened last December 21st when he died. I'm still grieving, and I have not really dealt with it. He just passed away, you know. Uh, uh, Sorry for your loss. Uh, uh, thank you. 11 months ago, and I found out on Christmas Day. They said, you know, your dad died three days ago. And I was told not to come to the funeral. And so, and I know that whatever he left behind, they got the monies, my sisters, and they made sure. She said, if you come, the, the police will be there. So, so that's all on another podcast. So I'm still dealing with that. My, my um, Stimpy, yeah, the yeah. woman, mm -hmm. ex-Jehovah Witness. Okay. Her father died. They wanted her to be Jehovah Witness. She wouldn't. When her father died, they uninvited. They told her she was banned from her own father's funeral. Yeah. I, I couldn't even rap for religious reasons. I could not wrap my head around that, man. It's the hardest feeling in the world. She cried so hard. Of course. All I did was, there's nothing yeah. not you could say she to someone like that. Because I, I can't hug him. I can't, even though he didn't love me and I would try to call him, I tried to have a relationship. He pushed me away, pushed me like how your dad talked to you, but at least your dad apologized. My father never apologized. Never. And I tried and tried and for them to do me the way they did me. So we'll pause there. That's the paternal route. But the maternal route is where I am to this day. Because I tell people when I go out and speak across the country and parts of the world, I was raised by my village was my great-grandmother, my mother, and my aunt. Because of what my father chose not to do, my uncle, my uh, abusive Vietnam uncle, uh, and, uh, he was my uncle through marriage. And then my alcoholic uncle, um, bloodline uncle, um, my mother's brother. They helped, this, these were my villages and the elders and the deacons and the deaconess at church. These, this is where my village was. They saw these gifts and talents that the Lord had given me as a child, and they're the ones that cultivated it. And when Mrs. Parks asked me, how did you learn these speeches, word for word, how you speak? You sound just like my pastor. 
And I told her, it was first, number one, the most high. He gives you these gifts. And we are, we're a clean slate. And he puts these things on us. We're, we're, we're like a, a branch pulled from a tree, rough all around the edges. And he gives us the knife. And we're to use the knife to craft and cultivate that, that, that branch and to make it a piece of cleared wood to use it for whatever purpose that is needed. Mm-hmm. So he gives each and every one of us gifts and talents, just like Matthew 25. 14 through 30, and we are to be caretakers of these gifts because if we don't, he's going to come again. He's going to ask you, what did you do? Well, my father wasn't in my life, Lord. No excuse. I gave you that because I knew. I'm omniscient. I know everything. I knew your father was going to do that. I knew this, but I gave you those gifts and talents so that you can lift other people up. And I gave you that strength. I don't put on you more than you can bear. So I gave you that strength. I gave you those gifts that if you used it and trusted me with it, I would pour into you and others will be saved by your testimony because you dared to trust me and you dared to use those gifts for my glory. And this is what my great-grandmother who was the most wonderful person in my life because she saw what my father did do. She saw the brokenness of my mother to not get out there and use her gifts. My mother was the songbird. There's pictures all on Facebook. My mother at seven years old leading the adult choir. She was the songbird, the lead singer. She was supposed, she was the prodigy. So when Gladys Knight and my mother around the same age, when Gladys Knight was doing her thing as a little girl or Natalie, uh, um, Natalie King, um, uh, Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole, uh, Nat King Cole's daughter. Mm-hmm. My mother was the same age group. My mother was a child prodigy as a singer. My grandfather wanted her to do, her father wanted her to do jazz. But my grandmother, who passed at uh, 10 years before I was born, she wanted her to use her talents for the church. So my mother was that kid. So, but she, when my grandmother, when my grandmother died, my mother was nine when her mother died that did something, that nurturing part. So I told you, she she was, uh, she was got with my father while she was living with my great-grandmother because her father, his wife, rejected her. So she's living there, broken. She goes for the first man that shows her love because the man she loved, her father, took his love away. So now my father's, okay, baby, this, this, this. So she gets pregnant. My great-grandmother, my great-grandfather, what I found out all these years, wasn't my biological great-grandfather. That's, that, that's, that's <laughs> very... Um, yeah, I had that happen with my brother. I have a brother. I don't okay. talk about him. He's 10 years older than me. Okay. Yeah, we found out that he was not my... We, well, he's my half-brother. We, we thought we had the same dad. Of course. But I, we always had a feeling he was different because he was uh, not just built different, he behaved different than my sister and I. Okay. But sorry, continue. Did he look like you guys? Kind of similar. Me and my mom. Okay. The, 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 when people see my no, my mom's side of the family, they see us. We okay. look the same. Mm-hmm. To black folks, no. Okay. Yeah, like I had hair. My hair would be like uh, curly, mm-hmm. long before Jesus took that. All thanks, right. thanks a lot, Jesus. All right. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> but my sister, I mean, my brother, he had just had a fro. 
Okay. Like, you know, and he was just like you, just jacked mm-hmm. for no reason. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not. <laughs> You ever Charlie, heard Charlie Murphy talk about stuff course, like that? Of course, like, man, of course, he's, of course. He's, he's, just, he's just jacked for no reason, man. They don't even lift weights. They got six packs. Yeah. Right, right. That's that. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. But yeah. sorry, Cole. That's deep. That's deep. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I was watching a picture, seeing, looking at a picture, and I was one of those kids that always read a lot. Um, go to the library. My library card was always distorted. I always had to get new ones. Get all these books. Put them in my backpack, climb my treehouse, and that's where you'll find me. Wow! And I would have a treehouse, and I'd be reading. I never read. Oh man, I was a I library, read. and uh-huh. and you would hear me singing. They would the drunks would come. Who's doing that sing? So I'd be singing, reading. Then I would be doing these speeches, imitate Martin Luther King, which is things I do today, and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And I would so I would always if I'm not fighting on the streets. Because we would get the gloves out and fight. And I was always beating up the bullies, always the bull. David, they messing with it. Come on. And I'd have my men, you know, watch a lot of TV. My men, we'd come and we'd fight the bad guys. And it was always somebody older. Mm-hmm. And or we would be popping willies on the bikes, uh, playing with our sling guns, you know, shooting the Doberman pinchers and stuff like that. Or, we any, would do, or anything that walked by. Anything that walked by. <laughs> we would put light thread, uh, thread around the tree and the and the 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 handles on cars so that when you're walking under the tree if this tree is here and the car is parked here and there's the walkway we put light thread there so when the drunks will be coming to walk they what is going on and we just laugh we'd be up in the treehouse we did all Dude, I was all boy you had to do the card in the tire right to get the motorcycle engine sound when you ride your bike you ever put a car? Oh, oh, of, course. <laughs> oh, of course. I don't know. I don't know how you know that. Oh my God. I thought that was just a 70s thing, but yeah. I know you were born in the 70s, right? Yeah. That's not but, why, 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 hey, don't make the age stuff about me, player. I'm single right that, now, that, ladies and gentlemen. No, was, no, I, yeah, I was oh, born man, 76. Was, oh, oh, same as my little sister. Okay. I remember that year very well. Yeah, yeah. We'd ride. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, we have, of course, we didn't do that when you pop in the wheelie. So, I was all boy, but there was a side of me that I had to learn. And I loved to sit back and listen to the old folks talk where they would always tell me, get out of here and stop minding grown folks business. Get out of here. And I would listen to my great grandmother as she tell her stories. And I was the only one to listen because my mother, my aunt, my uncles, then the, the kids on my level, the, the, her, my great grandmother's great grandkids, they didn't want to listen. I was the only one. Mm. And that's what serves me today. So she had a picture of her and uh, of my grandmother, her daughter. And she died 10 years before I was born, 58, 59. And so she would be sitting on, uh, on the, and she looked like Tonto, a long ranger in Tonto. She has an outfit on. She looked like Tonto, real light complexion lady. And I would look at her. And I knew my grandfather, Frederick Johnson, just passed away at 98 a few years ago, 2016. He was brown complexion. Mm-hmm. complexion. And I thought, hmm. And, and I'm about seven, eight. And I'm looking at the picture. And I'm looking at my great-grandmother. She's brown complexion. And my grandmother was light-skinned. And I looked at my great-grandfather. He was dark-skinned. So as a seven-year-old, I said, Mama. I called my great-grandmother Mama as well. She said, what, boy? I said, why is 
my grandmother's so light and you're brown, you're in the middle, and my great-grandfather, so she starts looking at me. She starts doing that. And I, my pops, he's a very mean man, and he was the custodial guy at the church, and he was very surly, very mean. Pops, can I help you with your ladder? No! And he was real, born in 1899. Oh, sure. And I used to always stuff. say that name, December 27th, 1899. So he just made it in to the 19th century. Yeah. And I would tell everybody his age, he gets so mad at me. And, but I was proud of that. My great-grandfather was born in 1899, you know? So uh, when I looked at and she said, go, I know, go outside and go play. So I went to go play. But then I'd come back again. Mama, I look at Pops outside, and I look at this picture. So one day she just got tired of me asking. She said, you're the only one. Your mother, when she was little, your aunt, because my mother's the youngest, your aunt, and from 1938, my, my uncle, 1940, see, I knew all the dates. They, they told me, come to the, and that's how I do what I do now with the speeches and all that. I knew the dates. I knew the history. 1938 my, was the first, her first grandchild. Then 1940, my other uncle. 1944, my aunt. 1950, my mother. She said, none of them ever asked. Then the kids that came out of there, and I'm the sixth of the great great grandkids none of them ever asked here you come but that's all because she said you different you just love to be around me why i said because i love you mama see i had convulsions grand mal seizures started at six months my mother single mother she changed my diaper and and then she what the, what she runs across the street to my great grandmother because they Put her out because my great my great grandfather said, "Uh, oh, she can't live here. She got pregnant. She knew the rules, so she we lived across the street under Aunt Bertha." Mm -hmm. So my mother, what's wrong with my son? And I'm, you know, and my great grandmother says, "That's why I love her." She said, "Ah, oh, Marilyn, he's having one of them spells. That's what the old folks call it, spells." Spells. She's yeah. from Tennessee. She said, "Jacob, my my the 1938, my grand my drunk grand uncle, love him with all my heart, poor." She said, put the stopper in the bathtub and pour some cold water. Then go get some ice from out the, ref the freezer. That's when the, it was the silver ice that you, that you pulled the lever to get the ice out. That's back in the old days. She said, get the ice out. Put it in the tub. Then she said, get the vinegar. Pour the vinegar in there. And then she said, and when I developed teeth, now this is with no teeth, but when I got teeth, she had him put the spoon in, turn it upside down to keep me from biting my tongue. Oh, wow. I had them real bad. And she said, get the baby. So my mother, <laughs> she said, give me, because my mother was a teenager when she had me. Yeah, yeah. So I, she would take me and put me in and have my head out and put the body in. <gasps> and I'd come right out of it. Wow. She said, who needs phenobarbital, which is the tall medication that they would give me? She said, I don't need none of that mess. We're going to do the natural stuff. So, and so when they would take me to the hospital, the doctor would, is there an old person in, in your house? And my mother said, my, my grandmother, she said, uh-huh, the vinegar remedies. She said, but it worked. He come out of it every time. He says, your son is going to be epileptic. I want you to know that. That's what they told me. If he has it past five, how long has he had it? She said, six months. He says, and he's three now. If he has it past five, he's going to be an epileptic. And this is what you need to do. So I, I would go 
so many times a year to the hospital with other grand mal seizure kids. And we, I would stay overnight to get the brainwave uh, uh, scans. Yeah. And my mother would leave me, and I would cry. And they would put the Beatles. It was some um, some uh, uh, stuffed stuffed uh, um, characters of the Beatles, and they would put that in my bed. I remember. Yeah. And so it was already said that I was going to be epileptic. So. My great-grandmother said, we're going to pray that out of him because man says that. But if God says, this is why I was so close to her. This is why when you watch my, my videos, my interviews, I speak of her. My CD, her, her, her. Told Mrs. Morrisel Parks, her. It's my great-grandmother that put me in the path that I'm in now. She's the one that made me see the gifts and talents and said, boy, you don't use them, I'm going to whoop your butt. Before God get to you, I'm going to whoop your butt. And I tell that story to the young people and the parents, and they start laughing. But here it is. So I came out of it. My last one was at the age of five. And I had just graduated, uh, Head Start. And uh, that night, I had a big, bad one. And my great-grandmother grabbed me. She put the spoon. My uncle put the spoon in my mouth, I remember. But I'm five, and she picked me up. And she held me and rocked me while my mother, she couldn't take it. She went out to a club <laughs> trying to be young. You know, she just didn't, couldn't take it. So it was my great-grandmother that took care of me. When my mother was out doing her thing, and she was a great mother, she taught me the love of God, my mother. She taught me how to use my musical gifts because my mother had it. I got it from my mother. So I would travel all over as a little boy, em emulating what my mother had done 20, you know, 20 years earlier, and I was singing everywhere because I saw my mother do it. So when my sister came too, that's what we saw. My aunt played, my mother sang. So when my mother would sing from place to place, from pastor to pastor, they loved this single woman. And I would see, get up, when I told, learn to tell time. I could remember I was three, four, and I would, that's with the digital clock. And I could remember, I would come out, and it'd be, and I look, and it'd be 3.42, the clock. I you remember those. Yeah, yeah, those flipping things. Flipping. And I'm coming out, and I got to be four, early 70s, early to middle 70s. I come out, and I have the footies. Uh, it was before Under Rules came out. So I had the footies, that, that button right here, that came all the way to the to foot. <laughs> my, my sister is really <laughs> She was right. <laughs> so 70s special. And I'm walking to the bathroom, and I'm seeing the pastor sitting across from my mother. You know, sitting on, my mother's on one couch and you're on another couch. You know, what? And that's when I was, and then I said, wait, wait a minute. But in the daytime, I see him when he's with. So that's when you start putting things together. They liked my mother. My mother was a single parent, cute woman, sing. And that's when you find out the other things. This is why I didn't want to be a pastor when they, they all told me you're going to be one because you yeah. see it in you when I was a little boy. But I rejected it and I fought against it because I didn't like examples that I saw. So my great-grandmother said, don't you focus on those things. You better use what you got. However the Lord wants to use it, you better use what you have. Yeah. So I looked at the picture, and I said, Mama, something just don't make sense. Boy, sit down. She said, it was 1917, and I met up with my boyfriend. You know your two friends that 
that you bring home from church? And I'm always staring at them. And they said, why your grandma be staring at us all the time? The two light-skinned ones, I said, yeah. They always ask why your grandma would be staring at Because they put me in the mindset of my boyfriend. I said, who? I'm going to tell you the story, but I don't want to hear about it no more. Because you keep asking. You're the only one to ask. And I may be dead and gone, and I want you to know this. Sit down. Yes, ma'am. So I sat down, and I listened, and she said, it's in Tennessee. And um, I liked him. He liked me. And uh, he looked real light. One of his parents was white. He's colored, though. He's real light. And uh, he got me pregnant. And I said, and I, I just stopped because we all knew Clyde Perry was our great grandfather. But I just, just the meanness that he treated me and just the gut discerning feeling. She had discernment. She said it was passed on to me. It was just something there that. He didn't treat me like I was his pedigree, you know, like the bloodline. There yeah. was something different when you know enmity. they ain't yours. There was actually enmity between you two. Bingo. With all of us, we just couldn't get caught. And everybody was just, well, he's just mean. But with me, he j- it was just a different mean. Like, yeah. you don't you don't belong to me kind of mean. Yeah. So that's what made me, because she would ask me when I was older, grown man, why do you keep asking? I said, Mama, because I just felt a disconnect with him. I loved him, but he didn't love us. And, and, and he, yeah, he did. He helped me. I said, but he didn't love us as if we were. And that's not saying because my father, I was his own. He didn't love me. But it's just something there. Yeah. And she said, this man, Charles. I said, that's his name? Charles. He got me pregnant. And when he and I told him I was pregnant, he left. Didn't see him again. And I said, so then what happened? She said, about two years later. 1919, I'm in the backyard, and I'm playing with your grandmother. And she's running around because she was born 1918. See, I knew all February 15th. I knew all the dates. She playing around, and all of a sudden, I look up at the gate, and there's Charles. And he's looking at the gate, and he's looking at her, and she looking just like him. See, no one in the family knew this story. I had to tell people. My aunt. Born in 1944, who helped to raise me? My uncles, they knew nothing. Because they never thought to ask. It was not important to them. But to me, it was. Yeah. You see, when something is piped into you, it's just what it is. So I knew to think like that. I knew to ask. And I said, what did you do? He said, is that my daughter? She said, yeah, it's your daughter, but it's not your daughter. I'm with a man that takes care of me, that's not embarrassed of me. And he has taken on my daughter. And that's his daughter now. His name is Clyde. He says, well, I'm moving to Chicago. If you ever need me, I'll be in Chicago. And he left. I said, she said, that is your real great-grandfather. His name is Charles, and he's half white. And I said, That's my- well, well, where is he? He was somewhere in Chicago. And I said, but that was 1919. Mama, do you know? And she wouldn't tell me anything else. How am I going to find it? A Charles. Light skin. <laughs> In Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> 1919. Never. But that is what happened to many black folk. Yeah. Post-slavery. Yeah. 
And we're not going to even go into this podcast. When you say the unsung heroes, that's what I like that you did with your students because uh, I champion that. When you talk about none other than William Steele, you ever heard of him? No, it didn't <laughs> ring a bell. May should be his exploits were the greater than Harriet Tubman. He helped to fund her three hundred back and forth. Going oh back and yes, forth. I didn't know his name. White dude, right? Black. No, black. black. Okay, man. His uh. homies were white. Okay, Garrett Thomas. So he's and like different me. Other ones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, oh, us. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm not far off either with that. <laughs> yeah. And they got their monies together to help fund what she was doing. These are your unsung. And I do a black history program called Heroes and Sheroes of the Underground Railroad in black and white. And I give black and white heroes and sheroes who put their life on the line for enslaved black folk. And when I tell those stories, and I have the PowerPoints on them, people are, and it makes them run out to go get that book. The Underground Railroad by William Steele. And when you read that book, you're going to say, how come we don't do a movie on him? Why? Because he's got stories in there. He would hide them in the cemetery because he knew if somebody were to tell families, it was because of him that families were reunited. Because he was in Philadelphia. And when my wife and I went to Philadelphia, we went to his home. I found where his home was. At that time, 2019, it was not on the the National Historical Landmarks list. It should have been. Mm-hmm. So when we went on the street, my wife and I, I'm, I kissed the, t- the, the, the porch, and then I'm looking through the, the window, and I got it, the, books, the, the pictures on Facebook, and my wife's taking pictures. So the, the mailman, black, as I say, Hebrew, comes, mm-hmm. and, and he's walking through the neighborhood. I said, excuse me, young man. Yes. I said, you know what this house is? He says, no, I deliver mail next door. And I, I no, it's just, I said, you don't, you of all people should know what this house is. I took my phone out and I showed him, William Steele, and I showed him his address, mm-hmm. and I showed him how many enslaved folk who were escaped from the South ran away and was brought to his home, and he harbored them, then paid a man to put them on a boat to take them up to Canada. That, to, to make that, to, to add, to emphasize what you're talking about is... And I have a question I have to mm-hmm. ask you mm-hmm. after I say this, but mm-hmm. isn't the consequences, if he would have got caught, he would have been oh, killed, right? Of course. Yeah. Cause some, make some, an example out of that. Yeah, because some people think about, that. we don't think, most people, and I've got this when I did my own research into history, mm-hmm. is that we tend to look at it through a modern lens. Like if you smuggle dope, right? Right. Even if you smuggle Great humans. Point you're making. You smuggle humans. Right. You're not getting killed for that. Right. You're going right. to go to jail. Right. And you might be able to get a good lawyer, maybe Bingo. Do, not as back, back then. Great point. You're, you're getting trialed. Tri- you you might get tried, murdered, and tried, convicted, and executed before you even get into a trial. Right. Like you're by the neighborhood. Right. So. And the second part to that, you'll be thrown into to enslavement. Yeah. To in the deep south, where you wished you were dead. What, what rappers call the dirty, dirty. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. It. That's it. Yeah. See, yeah. And that's a great point that you made. And and that's. Because you got to look into the lens I, oh, of the bro- time. brother, brother, you, you put in your life. And this guy was an American hero, not just a black, an American hero. Yeah. He put his life on. and Imagine with, how much stress that he'd be under oh, on a brother, daily. brother. I get nervous when I kind of claim something. Maybe I shouldn't on taxes. Bro- oh, And this dude up here. Brother. 
Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. When I preach that sermon and bring him up on the Black History Program, on the Black History Sabbath, how people loved their neighbor to death, black and white. And these stories I bring out in this PowerPoint that unearths this, that makes white, instead of looking at the black and saying, oh, man, all they're going to do is beat up on us. When they hear this, they, they feel proud. I want to go out and save some person of color now. <laughs> they feel like that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the truth, though. I'm yeah. not doing it to titillate and to, to make them feel. I'm doing it to tell the truth. These people, what they say, let others, the Bible said, let others speak well of thee. Mm-hmm. These people in their grave. If I do king, if I've done stuff with Rosa Parks and Maya Angelou, I have, and I praise the most high for it, and others, they all stand on the shoulders of these unsung heroes. Yes, exactly. And if we don't say their story, we're doing them a disservice. So yeah. I love it that you did that for your class. Don't give me the Marvel oh, that Kings. Got, don't hey, give me. Well, let me tell you something. I paid the price. Oh, all right. I paid the price. But you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. I hope so. You paid a temporary oh, yeah, price, I mean, but you're going to be blessed in the end. Yes. And maybe God and that's going to be your exclamation point to your book. Yes. Because yes. now we have an exclamation point to the book. The book, boom, and it ends like this. Yeah. That's your happily ever after. I mean, it was so crazy. My situation trying to teach these things. Right. That um, you got to remember, there was no problem with gay pride week oh. or gay pride, like, you know, the gay videos or whatever mm-hmm, they wanted mm-hmm. to do. But when you got into, to, it's weird. It's, it's like black history was like a... Um, stigma. Uh, yeah, stigma. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, I mean, it was, when you... Because people, like, I've shared this story with people, and i got to be careful what I say now because mm-hmm. um, my attorney said, wait for the check to clear. All right. So, no, now. I'm serious. We're at that All point right. right now. Like, we went Blessings through. Blessings to you, brother. And I said, and I, and um, because, you know, they could, people can always stop and continue litigation or whatever. Of course. So, but people don't realize when when you're going through, like, say, for example, with me, I was going through a, um, a uh, is it called civil rights when mm-hmm. it's racism? Mm-hmm. Civil rights, I know it's kind of broad now. The definitions okay. change, right, you right. know. Civil liberties. Civil liberties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't even get backing from, I got minimal backing from my teacher's union. Mm-hmm. I got minimal backing everywhere. And if you guys get an opportunity, um, people listening, just just Google Temecula School District Racism. Mm. And I'm not the only one. Right. There's a lot of lawsuits, even by students. They're actually being sued by the state of California for racism. Okay. The, the the school district the school district is and then the school board is being sued separately, and so and Temecula I think is the only city in the state of California that doesn't that refuses to honor Martin Luther King's mm. holiday and mm. Black History Month they refuse, mm. and so that you can see that in the news. But I'm not trying to wow. turn this to a racial podcast here. But my point is that people who go through things like that, like when I was in the middle of that, the stress is ten from one to ten. Because it's not just you're dealing with it and you're fighting and trying to navigate it. Because people used to give me advice, but if I was you, I would do this or I would have done that when I was there. I said, listen, I was that's your that that was my occupation. Right. I'm trying to I, that that's that's my, I'm bringing a, that's my job. Right. You lose your job, that kind of sets your life in the tailspin. I have responsibility. I have a, a mother that's 100 percent disabled. And I have a son mm-hmm. that's 100 percent disabled. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of responsibilities yeah. on my yeah. plate. You know, I can't. Um, you know, so people don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Or like even Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, if I was Martin Luther King, I, you, know, you know what kind of stress they're under? Right. Didn't they say he had it's, hypertension when he, was, yeah. when he and, died? And his like, heart was like that of a 75-year-old man. Yeah, he dude, was 39. Remember I told you my heart condition? Yeah. I'll show you the initial reading. Mm. My heart's up there at that age. It was up oh, at that age. Man. 
from the hypertension yeah. of stress and all this course, other stuff that had happened. And, uh, it messed up my vascular system. Yeah. I'm but, sorry to hear that, brother. No. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it, it, hey, God, God's working on it. We'll pray. We'll pray for healing. And, but I have a question, but other thing mm -hmm. too is talking about not knowing your history. Mm -hmm. As I was doing, you know, like I've told you off, um, you know, privately about how I did the research. My sister and I were doing research to try to track my family back to slavery. Mm -hmm. And so I got in touch with other black tennies that okay. I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, well, you know. And I didn't make the connection that, the white connection. Like, you're more clever than me. Mm -hmm. I was just, I'm just spoon for Like, even my, even my older brother, I didn't make the connection. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not related to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or completely, because you're just a different nature. Me, my mm -hmm. sister and I, by nature, mm -hmm. normally, we're compliant. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, we compliant. I was a product of my environment. Mm -hmm. I changed. I became something that I'm not. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm -hmm. it's weird, though, that that malevolent um, mm -hmm. piece, it stays with me. Right. But, and I ask God to take it from me, but... Right. It's there. I can go dark. I could do bad right. things. And I, and it's scary to know that I could do bad things. But that dark can also be a positive thing if you use it right. Remember yes. Peter. Peter. Yes. He, Yah used that bad temperedness for his glory. And he, he can all, and that will give you wisdom. That malevolence can give oh, you wisdom if you allow it. Yes. But there's a psychologist, and I'll get back to this part. Okay. There's a psychologist named Jordan Peterson I talk, spoke to you about before. I sent you some videos, but I know you're busy and you probably don't have time to get to no, it. No, I'm going to get but, to but it. But Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. talks about that nature in you, that darkness. Yeah. And he explains that everyone has it in them, some mm -hmm. more than others. Mm -hmm. And he says the key to it, to harnessing it, all right. is recognizing and acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Anyone, he says, for example, anyone can kill. Yeah. Anyone could kill. I can go dark. Yeah. I'm, I know I can. I can, can totally, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a, what you call it, due to trauma, mm -hmm. I'm a super empath. Mm -hmm. I can feel energy off of people, mm -hmm. whatever. I can dial that down mm -hmm. and do the most darkest things to people. I'll just mm -hmm. put it that way. And, I've, and I'm not going to lie. I've tried. Mm -hmm. God, I'm grateful that I've never actually, I'm going to be real. That I've never killed anyone, mm -hmm. but I've tried. I'm gonna right. be honest. I've tried, right. and I'll just leave it at that. I don't want you know statute limitation. I don't think there's statute right. limitation on terms of murder. <laughs> so I would say I've tried. Right. And um, and he said you recognize it, and he began to and Doctor Peterson explained that. And remember, he studied human behavior for over 20 years, mm -hmm. research and studied um, like actual people, and did therapy to get these um, his these uh, I don't know profiles and things of people. And he said, look at this. Let me tell you something. Because people were disagreeing with him. No, no, no. Some people are born good, especially atheists. Mm -hmm. Some people are good. You could do good at heart. He goes, he goes, let me tell you something. And him himself is ag was agnostic at the time, didn't know what he believed. He said, let me tell you something. You could take a white woman. He's white himself. Mm -hmm. You could take a white woman who grew up in upper middle class, living in the suburbs with two kids, never been any kind of physical violence in her life, right? Ne just never. She doesn't like, mm -hmm. She's just a, a half glass full personality type. Right. Take that woman. And he said, you put a gun in her house and let someone break in and try to harm her kids. Mm -hmm. She will kill that man yeah. and sleep that night with no guilt. Mm -hmm. wow. He goes, you need to acknowledge that that is in you. Yeah. Just because we live in these buildings now right. mm -hmm. and we drive cars right. and we wear suits. Mm -hmm. No, we are still those people that lived off the land yep. and had to kill an animal to eat mm -hmm. and maybe even kill another person to try to attack your tribe or your children. Mm -hmm. That is still in you. Yep. But people forget that because so you need to acknowledge that because then you won't end up one of these people who end up in court mm -hmm. or in a situation goes, I can't believe I did yeah. that. Yeah. Temporary insanity. Yeah. Complete. 
plead or just they didn't know mm-hmm. that they could do that. You need to acknowledge all the darkness mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. And um, Jordan Peterson now is now is a Christian as of the last few years. After thirty years of human research, he became a Christian. Like the last wow. few years, like uh, he came to this conclusion. First, he went to Judaism mm-hmm. and studied Judaism, and then it just it, dude, it's amazing. It, his life, his belief system flowed like the Bible, Judaism, mm-hmm. Old Testament to the New. Mm-hmm. But going back to the to the thing of studying my history, I did, this I'm still piecing together. I wasn't clever like you, mm-hmm. and I was in my early twenties, and I was dating, not married yet. And dating my wife at the time, we were just you know faithful and everything. And what I did was, um, what I did was, I said uh, I went to um, one of the the, the the black tennies, and there's not a lot of them. And it's right. weird because it's very similar to my sister and I. Like tennies don't have kids; we mm-hmm. have one maybe, mm-hmm. two at the most, but mm-hmm. like one. Mm-hmm. We don't have these large families. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yeah, well, you know, you're related to a Tenny that lived out in Santa Barbara, and there's a fire station. Mm. It's Christopher Tenny, mm. and it's T-E-N-N-E-Y, E-Y. like mm. your name is supposed to be spelled, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah. So I was like, well, man, you know, I'm, I'm on this treasure hunt. So I go there, and I go to Santa Barbara, found the police sta- fire station. It's like, in the, it's like near State Street, right okay. in the main area. I know where it's yeah, mm-hmm. and I went to that station. I knocked on the door. I said, hey, my name's, my name's Kenny Tenny, and mm-hmm. I'm related to Christopher Tenney, whose name's on the front of this building. They go, oh, man, we got a picture of him. At first, they looked at me odd. They go, we got a picture of him in the hallway. If you want, we got a whole historical section inside. You want to come inside? Yeah. And I told my wife, yeah, yeah, come inside. He's a white guy? White dude? Yeah. Okay. No, no, he was like Hispanic or something. Okay. He said, come inside. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of looking at me. He didn't know if I was being a prankster. Right. Or, you know what I'm saying? I think he was kind of looking like, this is going to do something stupid, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure firemen or anyone dealing with the public has seen a lot of stupidity. Right. And so I told my wife, come on, let's go. I mean, my girlfriend, come on, let's go. Let's go inside. We go inside and we look at the wall and the the stuff that the wars that Christopher Tenney got. And we go there. It's the it's a white dude. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make the connection at the time. I forgot That's that, I, that I'm related. Yeah. 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 And, they, they, and then some of the firemen, they're like, hey, this guy's related. They, so they're firemen and they're there too in the station. Oh, and they were shaking my hand. And my wife looked at me. She couldn't even hold it in. My girlfriend looked at me. She just fell out on the floor laughing. <laughs> Because when you said Santa Barbara, that's why, you know, I go up there to speak sometimes. I, I, I said, be white. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm blood related to the tennies. Right. Like the, the, yeah, but mm-hmm. I, at the time, I'm thinking I'm going to see some black dude yeah. on the yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or, or the main picture, you know, your yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I, I was like, I was like, man. But um, that was an interesting journey. And in, remember, and I told you the family reunion, which of I'll course. get into a different thing. The Tenny family reunion. That me and my sister got uninvited to when they found yes. out we were black. But that's, oh, you know. Yes, yes. But I have to, I know we're going long, and I'm going to obviously bring you on again. Oh, yeah. let's, let's do it again. But Finish. I have a question. Mm-hmm. A question. And this is a theological, spiritual life question. Because mm-hmm. um, um, obviously you're, we got to continue your story. We didn't get to all your story. Yes, right, right. But I, I have to wonder, like, the reason why this podcast is called For a Reason, because I was mm-hmm. told everything happens for a reason. And I mm-hmm. believe it's true. Mm-hmm. And actually, Jordan Peterson, in a video I told you, he talks about someone had actually, he, there's a short clip. There's these clips I sent you in like 45 seconds. Okay. And he was talk, someone asked him a question about, do people reap what they sow? Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, um, I could tell you this. He goes, I've studied human behavior for decades at this point. And this is a recent video, like me, the last few years. He goes, when you do something bad to people, he didn't even go. He didn't even go Bible on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you do something bad to some to people, especially if it's really bad, 
He goes, we exist in a kind of balanced spiritual universe, world. And he says, it's a mixture of, of space, time, interaction. He goes, you twist it and you turn it. And that's what you do to when you hurt another person, do bad mm -hmm. things. And he goes, but the universe is always balanced. It's going to bounce back. There's an equal in every action. There's an equal and opposite mm -hmm. reaction, basically what he was saying. He goes, in my decades of studying human behavior, I have never seen someone get away clean with doing someone wrong. Wow. He said, you will always be able to see, let me tell you something. Next time something bad happens to you, look inward. I guarantee you, it might not be a straight line, but you'll be able to make connections mm -hmm. to the bad things mm -hmm. that you have done mm -hmm. to other people mm -hmm. that has led to this mm. negative thing happening to you. Wow. You will always see it. But the thing of seeing the connection of karma or what they call reaping what you sow, it's there, but you have to look inwards, mm -hmm. but you will see it. He goes, I'm telling you, I haven't, and I've studied human behavior. I've had studied people for decades, their lives, like mm -hmm. followed them. And it always comes back, mm -hmm. but it's the same for good. Right. It's the same for good. And so, but my question Praise to God you, for that. yes, but my question to you is, is um, from a theological standpoint and people, who, some people don't understand, don't know what the, theology Theology means theos is, is God. God. Mm -hmm. Ology is like the study of the God. Study of God. Mm -hmm. From a theological standpoint, um, do you believe, have you, what are your thoughts on everything happens for a reason? Do you think there's a purpose behind everything that happens in a person's life, especially the big things? Because I'm pretty sure there's people right now that are grieving a loss, maybe celebrating a win, and everything in between. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I, 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 I said real clearly and cleanly, um, uh, King Solomon said it best in the book of Ecclesiastes that um, there is a time and place for everything under the sun and that um, the Most High rules everything that happens under the sun. And if you believe in the Most High, you know it goes with the old song we learned when we were young. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he does. And he's, his word will not return void. If he says it's going to happen, you shall reap what you sow. It's will happen. And e even before I, I, I say the Eastern religion thing of karma and whatnot, mine is just straight own scripture. I believe in Yah's word. I believe he's the sovereign creator of the universe. If he said it, it's going to happen. And if we jump on board with our faith, he will bless us if we trust him. So this thing is all about faith. So things happen by divine appointment. He allows things. We may not. There's the beautiful song, and I'm, I'm learning it uh, by Donnie McClurkin, His Ways. His ways are not our ways. His path is not our path. But it is the way to get to the kingdom of God. He gives us the Bible, which the Bible is the playbook. If we want to get to pay dirt, we've got to read the playbook. He's given, He don't have to give us the playbook, but we got all the tacklers there to keep us from pay dirt. But in order to get to pay dirt, he's telling us, read this book. We read the book. We're able to juke here, juke there, avoid that linebacker, avoid that, that, uh, uh, um, um, you got, you know, you, 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 you got all your defensive backs and so on and so forth. If we want to get into pay dirt, 
We got to read the playbook. He's saying, I want to save you. In order to save you, just do what I say. I will put you, I won't put on, and then he makes it easy. I won't put on you anything that you can't bear. He promises us that. So no matter what we've done, he will not allow us to be tempted beyond our capability to overcome it. That's love. So he's basically, I want you to get here. But he's given, but he, but in order to get there, we don't start from here. He lets us start from here. Yeah. He's saying, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna do half of it. Matter of fact, I'm gonna do 75% of it. You just do 25. That's what this whole thing is all about. And he puts everything in his book and he says, just trust me. Obey me. See, people want to leave that part out. I just love him and 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 and, and have faith. Yeah, but that's that old word, too. You have to obey him because the sign of your love for him is your obedience to him. And when we love, obey, and trust, he will make it up to us. So if he is the sovereign creator of the universe, if he is omniscient, all-knowing, if he's omnipotent, all-powerful, if he is omnipresent everywhere at once and praise him, if he is omnibenevolent, all loving where we can't fathom that love, then everything is for a reason. As Solomon said, a time and a season under the sun because he is the ultimate director and we're all actors. We're all actors. He's the ultimate protagonist. There is an antagonist. We are the actors. So he then tests us. He tests us to prove us so that we will be eligible to fit into his kingdom. Satan tempts us to prove that we don't belong in Yah's kingdom, but we belong in his. So there's test to prove us in the positive, and there's temptations to cut us down in the negative. So there's this war that's going on, but we already know how it's going to end. And he's saying, if you read my book, if you have a relationship with me, you pray, you read, you have faith, you love me. And the way you love me, or uh, um, love is faith and faith is love. Well, uh, uh, the song goes, um, ah, it'll come, it'll come to me. But when we have love, faith, and obedience, these are the ingredients. And when we have those ingredients, nothing happens haphazardly. Nothing happens uh, spur of the moment. Everything is in Yah's design. He said to Je Jeremiah, before you were, I knew you. He said, so Jeremiah, I already knew you before you were. So that's what he is before us. Before Kenny, he knew you. Before you knew yourself, before you were alive, he already had his plans for you. Do we deviate from the plans? Yes. But if we trust him, we will go off the beaten road, like I have gone, like many of us, into the wilderness. But he cuts out a road for us. If we decide, Lord, I want to get back on that road. He allowed, no matter how far away we're from that road, we can be all up in the bushes. He'll carve out a road from us to get us back to the main road that leads to the kingdom of God. So nothing happens without his plan. He has to sign it. 
And Satan can't do anything without Yah's signature. And if Yah gives the signature, it's to prove us for his glory. Toughen our fiber because he knows where I'm about to take you. Your fiber needs to be toughened. So I'm allow Satan to test you. I'm going to allow him even to tempt you. But if you hold on to my promises, if you never let go, no matter how strong the, the will to let go is, but you still find a way to hold on, I'm going to make it up to you because I love you. I'm omnibenevolent. I love you more than you can ever know. So nothing, everything is for a reason in his own time. Historically, traditionally, or historically, when Jesus walked the earth, how did they pronounce his name, or what's taught? So we 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 figure from you know deducing that they, there was a the, the Hebrew Greek um, language Aramaic language. My understanding, it would have been most likely. That with a version of Yah in it, in it, Yahusha, Yeshua. Some say Yeshua. Some say Yahushua, uh, uh, Yahuwah. Where did Jesus come from? That's that comes from the Greek translation of oh. the Greek turned to the Latin, the Latin to the English. Because in the Greek it was Jesus, and then it started to take on a form, going on and on over to finally Jesus. But we know that his name could definitely have not been Jesus. But Jesus will still work if you pray in that name, right? If he says, in your ignorance, I winked on you. But now that you know, I call all men. So when you don't know, you don't know. But when you do, because I've had many people say that, well, I called out on his name and his name this, this. Because he loves us so much, he'll take us in our ignorance because we don't know. Because you're praying from the heart anyway. Because you're praying from the heart, and he looks upon your heart. He, what, he did, what the song says, he looked beyond my heart and sees my knees. But when you do know, they said, now what does what does the commission the singer say? Now that you've come out, now that you've come out of the darkness, you must turn on the light for a friend. Don't leave them there groping in darkness, but tell them how they can be born again. Yeah. So the goal is each one teach one. Mm -hmm. Once you know, you go back and you tell somebody. If they reject it, now you're judged on what you decided not to know, you see. So yeah. for me, the more I was reading, the more I, oh, I'm not calling him by his right name. And then why was his name changed? See, why was, why was, <laughs> then there's a rabbit hole now. Yeah, then yeah. there's the rabbit hole. Why was, mm -hmm. why don't we call, you know, if my name is David, then, you know, there may, may be distortions of it, David, Dawid, because in the Hebrew, Dawid, but it still sounds like David. But you get Yahusha or Yahushua, but then you turn around, Jesus. You say, well, wait a minute. Why did it change all the way? Then you go down that, that, hole. that hole. Then you try. But you, when you don't know, he loves us so much. That's where that omnibenevolence comes in. Yes. The, the only makes sense is because when they would pray back in the Old Testament, when they came out of Egypt, they would pray just to the God of Abraham. Right. Right. They didn't know. They didn't know. Right. But he had a name. Yeah, he they didn't even know. They had they no didn't idea. Have, yeah, but when you call out his name, and David says it, Psalm 68.4, but we know there's not a J, so we know it had to be the Y. He says, praise Jah, you know, but it's really praise Yah, and David calls him that, and that's the man after his own heart. I could tell you one thing as of late, because I gotta we gotta wrap this up. That's we right. went too long, mm -hmm. but we're gonna do another oh, part. We got to, and we, got we gotta too get much. you your own podcast. I we got to. to. I would love to. The, um, I started praying 
and referring to God as Yahweh mm-hmm. or Yah. Yes. And Jesus as Yeshua. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know if this is a placebo effect, but I feel different. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like I'm saying it right. Yeah. Like, like yeah. work, like it's coming on. And yeah. I feel even the type of prayer that comes out with that. Right. It's different. Yeah. It's different. Yep. It's I my soul. Like feeling. sometimes I've been praying by myself. Right. And I, you know, I'm hearing what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I don't do it in my head. I say it. Right. Um, I'm like, did I just say that? Yep. Like, like it's, it's saying stuff. Yep. And it's weird. I can actually now, because when I used to pray before, like, say if I was praying for you, please, Lord, uh, be with David. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got in a car accident, make sure his leg heals mm-hmm. up, God, and be with the doctors. Mm-hmm. Now when I pray this way, Yahweh or Yah, uh-huh. call him by his name. I could visualize. Yeah. I could see your leg. Yeah. yeah. I could see, yeah. like, it takes me to another mm-hmm. place. So I just you're operating sh- in truth, man. And nothing, he said, those who mm. worship me must worship me in spirit and, and in, in truth. truth. Yes. And it's never about hate. It's never about, it's all about truth and love. Yes. That's yes. what it's all about. Yes. And one thing too, and if you don't mind, we'll just wrap up yeah. with this. Mm-hmm. It's from Jordan Peterson. Okay. Jordan Peterson, because he does these, he travels around and does these seminars and you're, he, then you're free to ask him questions. Most people that attack, used to attack him, or people who would argue over gender. Okay. <laughs> over gender. <laughs> you know, why am I not a girl? You know, oh, like, right and so, man. and he would break stuff down and he goes, you don't have, o- I mean, you don't have ovaries, you know, like, you know, biologically, mm-hmm. you know, you know, whatever. He would break stuff down and that's what kind of really, really put him on the map, but also got him shadow banned. Okay. But people show up to his seminars, but, but then the vast majority, 99.9% of his stuff is self-help, but now he has a Bible series mm-hmm. and he goes through the history of the Bible mm-hmm. and from a psychological standpoint, it's very good stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he was trying to explain to someone, well, really? The Bible? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he was trying to explain, he tried to explain to this guy, look, this Bible, cover to cover or whatever, add the Apocrypha to it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. This is less than a grain of sand like say if God's all the beaches, this is, the, God is so big. This is only this is the most rudimentary, broken down, simplified thing we could even look at mm-hmm. or to even comprehend. There's mm-hmm. no way we could comprehend God. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Right. He'd cease to be God. Mm-hmm. If you could sit there and study something, go, I understand God. Mm-hmm. Then you've equalized. Mm-hmm. He goes, this book is like you know, like basically idiot's guide. Mm-hmm. To God, mm-hmm. but even lower than that. Right. And I was like, man, he said, this is just like a glimpse, mm-hmm. you know? And he talked about how the Bible, um, who did God show his back to? Was it Moses? Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Moses couldn't even take the front. Right. Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> saw the back. Yeah, saw the back. <laughs> and he was like, it, we, we, it's God is too much. Too much for us. It's too much. Yep. Yeah. You, yep. This right here, we could, we don't even understand we this. Don't, we don't understand it. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is just a minute amount. Just think mm-hmm. about that. You could study the Bible for the rest of your life. Right. You could have you could have studied it from the, mm-hmm. through your whole life. Right. You still won't understand a grain of that. Right. And this is just a grain of God. That's it. That's yeah. It. Right. And I was like, I never looked at it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's that's mm-hmm. pretty deep. And that's what he's come to realize. Mm-hmm. Like, God is just too big. Yep. He's too big. Mm-hmm. He's too big. But so, then he loves us enough to to dumb it down so that we can understand him. Yeah. You know, it, it's love, brother. That that <laughs> not just dumb it down. Yeah. Become one of us. Bingo. Bingo. You know what I'm saying? Bingo. Find me a king. Amen. A human king, right? Yeah. That's willing to not just 
set aside all his stuff, right. like when those sheiks in the Middle East, sheiks right. in the Middle East, mm-hmm. but gamble it all mm. and say, man, listen, I'm going to do something that has never been done. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Never been right. done. I'm even going to set aside I'm, no security, mm-hmm. no guards, right. no extra powers, mm-hmm. no, uh, can I call a friend lifeline? Right. I'm just going to go in there <laughs> and do it. Right. And if I lose, mm-hmm. we all lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm betting yeah. on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm betting on you. Isn't that something? Isn't <laughs> yeah. That something? There's so many layers, man. There's so many layers, but... Thank you for coming out. Man, thank you for having. This me. is this is the I think this is probably the longest podcast episode <laughs> I've ever had. Um, but we're gonna split this up, and yes. but I want to bring you on, and we got to finish your story. Yes. I apologize, guys, for not getting to it because we got sidetracked. But thank you. Yes, I want to thank you, thank you man. Me. Thank, thank you, man. appreciate. Thank it. you, my brother. Thank All you. right. All right, brother.